Good evening. Thanks very much, Paul. Thanks, Dave, as well. Thanks for reading. Um, when Dave said that I was going to be unpacking Deuteronomy chapter 6, Emma whispered to me, you could, you could do with unpacking that case in the bedroom floor when you get home as well. <laughs> Sorry to drop you in it there, Emma, but I thought I needed a wee icebreaker. We're going to read together Deuteronomy chapter 6, so if you could turn with me, that would be great. And we'll read the, the, whole, the whole chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord our God with all your heart and with all your strength and with all your, sorry, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I gave you are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat, and are satisfied. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not test the Lord your God, as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you, and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised and on oath to your forefathers, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your sons ask you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of the Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. I want to start this evening by um, telling you the finish. I want to get to the essence of what I feel uh, this passage is all about. I want to tell you what I think uh, 
Moses is saying here, what, what I think his, his bottom line is. Moses is saying in verse 1 to 3, listen up people, this is what you need to know before entering Canaan. This is how you need to live. This is how you need to live so that you and yours will revere God and live well and live life as it should be. I believe that the bottom line to this passage is the answer to a very important question. How do we live as we should? And I, I believe that how we live as we should is, 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 is an answer in two parts. That we love God with all of our very muchness and we remember grace. So this, I believe, is, is, God, is, is God's bottom line in the passage and, and Moses' bottom line as he speaks to the people. You know, this is what I'm telling you here, people. This is how we live as we should. As you enter into Canaan, this is how you are to live. By loving God with all of our very muchness and by remembering grace. What is the most important thing that anybody has ever told you? What is the most important thing you've ever told anybody else? If you had, you know, a, a moment in time that you had to impart some information to somebody, what, what would it be? What is the essence of all that you are about? Often famous last words tell us something of the individual. And I don't know if you've seen the film La Vie en Rose, or, or Life in the Pink, as it's literally translated. It's a, it's a real heartbreaker. It's a, it's a film about the French singer in the 60s, Edith Piaf. And it's a sad but true story of, of her search for the fullness of life. And just before she dies, she discovers and, and sings a song that summarizes all that she is. And this song, she, she, she realizes this is all that she stands for and, and what is her bottom line. And she sings, No, je ne regret rien. Edith Piaf lived a life flat out. In futility, chasing after love, drink, drugs. Her life was an endless party. And then before she died, as a sad, lonely, old before her time, decrepit woman, she belted out on stage, No, I have no regrets. This was her bottom line. What about you? What is the essence of, of all that you are about? When all is said and done, when the buck stops, what is your bottom line? For Christians, we can look to Paul for inspiration. Paul sums up Christianity by declaring, Jesus Christ is Lord. Muslims, they will say, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And for a Jew, their bottom line is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ikad. Don't know how my Hebrew is, but <laughs> this is uh, for a Jew the bottom line of, of of their faith. Here, O Israel, the Lord is our God; the Lord is one. Many Jews recite these words in the first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Jewish children will will hear these words the first words that they hear when they come into the world, and, and Jews will recite these words before they die. This is the bottom line of the Jewish faith. But if we were to ask a man in the street what, what his bottom line was, we might get a very different answer. This is Gordon Gekko from the, 
1987 film Wall Street. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but if you were to ask Gordon Gecko what his bottom line was, he would he would say maybe the quote that he's famous for in the film: "Greed, for a lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit." Greed in all of its forms, greed for life, for money, for love, for knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. Gordon Gekko, his bottom line is a, is a striving after life, money, knowledge. And that may be the same for a lot of people that are out there. And if we're honest, that may fit very well with our sinful nature. But this passage we're reading tonight, this passage gives us loud and clear the inside track, the bottom line, the essence of all that is truly important. This passage, this speech of Moses, these mutterings of Moses on the plains of Moab are of tremendous spiritual importance for us. Moses calls the attention of the Israelites and he calls us to attention and we would do well to listen. These mutterings tell us how we are to live this life as it should be, with order, purpose, function, and meaning. This is the bottom line. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. So how do we actually do that? You know, we, we know those words. We've known it from Sunday school. If someone was to ask us what we are to do to, to be Christians, it would roll off our tongues. But how do we actually love God with all our heart, soul, and strength? Well, I think the answer lies if we look into the passage. This is Moses at the close of his life, and he's, he's speaking to the children of Israel. And he's looking at a new generation. He's looking upon new lands before they enter it. And these people have new duties. And there's a new leader. And like I've said, Moses in the first three verses says, you know, listen up people, this is what you need to know before you enter the land. These are the commands, decrees, this is the law that the Lord wants you to observe in Canaan so that it will go well with you. Tim spoke to us this morning of, of the ten words and of how the Torah was a great gift of love from the Lord. And, you know, we translate Torah as law, but it may serve us well to think of it more like a, a law of gravity, or a law of thermodynamics. It is, it is how things are. You can doubt gravity, you can defy it, but it's there. It is how things are. And things will go well with you if you, if you abide by it. The Torah encapsulates guidance, encouragement, help, exhortation. On one hand, hear, observe, Love, obey, fear. And on the other hand, we see in the passage in verse 3, so that it will go well with you. And also in verse 18. And then in verse 24, that you will always prosper. And in verse 25, and that it will be our righteousness. So we see the, the, the fullness of, of this, this law, this order of things. This passage lays out for us the stance we need to take to receive the fullness of God's loving help. And this stance is to, to love God. This is our bottom line. 
From our theme, I want us to look into the passage and really look at the the two aspects of of the answer. First, looking at at verse 4 and 5. This is the first part of the answer to the overarching theme. How do we live as we should? By loving God with all of our very muchness. By loving God completely, exclusively, with respect and worship, and following in his teachings and commands. Shema Yisrael, Yahweh our God, Yahweh one. In verse 4, this makes up two statements of God. The first one describes his relationship to Israel, and the second one describes his nature. His nature is that he is one. This speaks of his wholeness, the trinity, of his completeness, of all that God is. And we know that faith needs action, so the Shema, as the Jewish people call it in verse 4, is followed by the other half of the equation in verse 5. The greatest commandment, as Jesus stated in Matthew 22, verse 7. Verse 37, sorry. That we are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The stance we need to take to receive the fullness of God's loving help is to love God. That is the bottom line. From our theme, I want us to look at the text to see, you know, these two parts of the answers. The first one, how do we live as we should? By loving God with all of our very muchness. And then I'll I'll move on in the second part to see how we are to... um, Ensure that we remember grace. But as we look at the, these two verses in 4 and 5, and how our love for God, our heart, our soul, our strength, is reflected in the wholeness of God. You know, the wholeness of God's love for us can be reflected in the wholeness of our, our love for Him, all of our oneness. There was a commentator I was reading, uh, Philip Johnson, and he speaks of, of loving God with all of our very muchness. And I, I thought this was quite a nice turn of phrase, so I borrowed it for our theme. If we think about loving God, it's something that we, we're very used to talking about and, and it's very used to thinking about, but you know, actually delving into what that means, it, it's quite difficult to put into words, but reading through this this chapter, we see that Moses explains to the children of Israel what it actually means to love God. He puts practical points in place. And if we look at verse 6 to 18, this is where Moses explains to the children of Israel what they are to do to love God. And they're they're very much worth reflecting on. We see in verse 6, they are to have the commandments on their hearts, Verse 7, impress them upon their children. Talk about them whenever, wherever. Verse 8, tie them on their hands and heads. Write them in their door frames and gates. Then in verse 12 we read, they're to remember the Lord. Verse 13, fear the Lord, keep his commands. And verse 18, do what is right. Do what is good, so that it may go well with you. How are the children of Israel to love him? 
have his commands in their hearts, impress them upon their children, talk about them whenever or wherever, tie them, put them, keep them. As we see God explain through Moses to the children of Israel what to do, we see that we are also to love God with all that we have. We are to have it consume our very being. We are to have it as part of our everyday life and part of the very fabric of our homes. Jews today have incorporated this instruction uh, in a very real way, and examples of this are taken from verse 8 and 9, where we read that they are to tie them as symbols on their hands and bind them on their foreheads, write them in door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is a phylactery which Jewish people will, will use, um, two small boxes there, both containing scripture, one worn on the head and one wrapped around the arm down to the hand and fingers. And they would be worn during Jewish morning prayers. This, on the other hand, is the mezuzah, which is the affixing which Jewish people would put on their door frames. Some families will put them on every single doorpost of all the house. And they're also uh, fixed on, on gates as well. This second picture is um, the mezuzah, the dumb gate in, in Jerusalem. And the mezuzah contains two passages, Shema Yisrael, this uh, verse 4 of, of Deuteronomy 6, and then also the Vahaya, which is another passage in Deuteronomy 11. And it's customary to touch the mezuzah as, as you enter or, or leave a, a door or a, or a gateway. Now, you can see from the passage that we are asked to love God with all of our oneness, all of our very muchness. And this is practically shown by his law, his order, his ways being on our hearts, on our children, on our tongues, on our heads, on our hands, and on our homes. The bottom line is love. Love is all we need. But that's, you know, again, I think we just need to drill in a little more as to what that actually means. Love is what a person devotes himself to most passionately. Love is what a person maybe values and, and what motivates them most. Our love for God should be an all-consuming passion of our life. An example of this passion is, is in Psalm verse 73, Psalm chapter 73, verse 21 to 26, which I'd like to read together, where we see the psalmist expound upon this all-consuming passion of his life. Psalm 73, verse 21 to 26. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth is nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Another example of this all-consuming passion I have personally is, is my, my grandfather. My papa was and, and still is a very godly man, and I'm blessed to have first-hand experience of, of 
Someone who is Christ's love so evident in him. His love for God and his obedience to God is is very clear through his life. And even now to this day, you know, my past 94 and he's got end stage dementia. His mind's totally gone. His memory is completely gone. He hallucinates. But if you read a passage of scripture to him, his eyes light up and his muttering cease. A couple of weeks ago, I read Psalm 23 to him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. As I started off with those words, he closed his eyes and put his head back and said, lovely. As I went on and and finished off the psalm with, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Probably still at his eyes closed, said, yes. And we will sing his praise forever too. You know, God is the all-consuming passion of that man's life. And looking back through his life, God was actually his main interest. He didn't have much other interest outside of that. If we have a think about our all-consuming passions, the things that we focus our time and our energy on, even our love for everyday things. Whenever I was preparing this, I had a look at John Piper's website. It's always good to reference John Piper in preparing a sermon. Unfortunately, he didn't have a, a, a sermon on uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, but I did read one on, on Deuteronomy, or sorry, I did read one that he wrote on love in general. And he made quite a shocking statement, which really took me back. He, he said, love is either a fruit of one's love for God or a rebellion against God. So our love, our love for everything, is born out of either being a fruit of our love for God or a rebellion against God. This kind of took me back, you know, as I thought about everything that we love, sport, going to the gym, going for a run, you know, buying clothes, trying to look as as well as we can. You know, if we ever thought about where this is born out of, Now, we know that we can have an appreciation for engineering or or art or invention and we can rejoice in the glory of God in that or with sport and outdoor pursuits, you know, we can we can feel God's glory and majesty in in all of creation. And if we look after ourselves and, and care for us our bodies, we can delight in his goodness to us. But you know, we need to check where the root of 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 our love is. I personally really love water sports. And, you know, I love the physicality of it. I love harnessing nature and and physics. And, you know, I also, I do feel that, maybe with the adrenaline, um, I do feel sometimes an overwhelming sense of of awesome splendor in God and and his creation and and all all that he is. And I love God in that. But, you know, I maybe do need to check some aspects of, of these and other things that I love, you know, where my motives lie. We can't see love for God in everyday things. And, and Chariots of Fire is a classic example of that when Eric Little says to his sister, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. First Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, Therefore, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of the Lord. So we need to love God with all of our very muchness. 
And we need to think about how we love God, what that means, how we love and, and what we love. But you know, we need to maybe check some of these things. So how do we love and how do we live as we should? By loving God with all of our very muchness and by remembering grace. It is crucially important to note in this passage that the law, the Torah, all of these rules and regulations come after grace. And the law only has meaning when it comes after grace. In chapter 6, verse 10 to 12, we see Moses telling the children of Israel, when you're in Canaan, in a land flourishing cities, and that you did not build, with goods that you did not provide, with wells that you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, when you have the abundant life, do not forget God's rescue. Do not forget the Egypt story. And also in verse 20, Moses said that when your, when your children ask you why the reason of all these rules, tell them the Egypt story. Tell them about freedom from slavery. Tell them about God's rescue. Tell them about grace. Remember to teach them about grace. Without grace, they will see no meaning to the law. And when religious rules are forced upon people, with no context, they have no meaning. We, as Christians, need to pro-offer God's grace before his law will make any sense to anybody. God's love for us and his rescue of us precedes our love for God. Without a knowledge of his rescue, you know, is there any real meaning to, to loving God at all? If we were to say to the man on the street, you must love God, it's meaningless. If we were to say to our children, you must love God, it's meaningless. If we were to say to the people within half a mile radius of this church, as we go out in September with how can we love you cards, that you must love God, it's completely meaningless. Without first offering God's grace. Jewish laws are displayed on hearts, tongues, heads, hands, door frames. And God wants us to live out his abundant life we have received through grace. And he wants us to have his grace and his goodness shining in the deeds we perform with our hands, the thoughts we have with our heads, the words we speak with our mouths, and through the very fabric of our homes. We are to be living examples of God's grace. Because when we are, we are in the best possible position to tell those who have not yet come to faith in Jesus about the joy of grace and the future joy that comes. And that includes our children. We must aim to live lives so that people do not ask us the question, tell me about all these rules and regulations you live by. We must want our lives to have such a shape, such a format, such, such an order, a law, that people ask us, tell me about the love that's obviously in you, that has your life in this way. As Moses reveals this, this key, this, this bottom line to the people of Israel, let us also listen. Let's love God and obey his commands. Let's boldly enter into life as it should be. 
Let us grasp the full potential of Christian living. We are to be partakers of, of Christ now within us, as the Israelites were to be partakers of the land then. Lord Jesus Christ wants to use your whole body, your mind, your strength, your being, the fabric of your lives, the fabric of your homes, so that as you give yourself to him, all your activity as a human being is his activity in and through you. That every step you take, everything you do, everything you are, the oneness of you will be an expression of Christ in you. Philippians 1 verse 21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ. When the world looked to Jesus, they saw God. They heard him speak, saw him act. And Jesus said, As my Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So this is the bottom line. How do we live as we should? By loving God with all of our very muchness and by remembering grace.